Hey everybody, welcome back to Terminus, the Rachel Ray Nutrish brand cat food of Extreme Metal Podcasts. I am the Death Metal Guy, a.k.a. as soon as I saw her flooded church of Asmodeus tramp stamp, I came and started farting. <laughs> and I am the Black Metal Guy, a.k.a. Warden of the Beringian Corridor. <laughs> You were working on that one for like a solid four minutes before we went on. It just there were it it mutated beyond recognition. <laughs> you, you gotta like, you gotta just have some sort of like a uh, black metal title generator open in another tab before we do mm-hmm. these. You know, <laughs> black metal pseudonym generator. You know, <laughs> something to, to help you. Yeah, but but that one's got a that one's got a whole album concept. I mean, so does the flooded church of Asmodeus tramp stamp and coming farting. I mean, that's certainly an album. But uh, that's probably an album, album by flooded church of Asmodeus. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! All right, so we got a show, and more importantly, we got an announcement up front. Uh, this is actually important, guys. Don't skip past this one on your way to the first album. Actually pay attention to this. It's relevant to the nature of the show itself. So, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I regret to inform you the celebs are at it again. And as many of you uh, have <laughs> perhaps expected over the past year and a half of completely absurd amounts of content we've delivered, uh, we are going to be reducing our workload slightly. Um, so, uh, Terminus has been around for about a year and a half now and has slowly ballooned from its original proportions up to these monolithic three hour podcasts we're doing every week. And, uh, frankly, uh, under both of our workloads and you know, to be fair, trying. I think it started as a monolithic three hour podcast. The first few might have been over two. But the first it, few were like two, and then it progressively yeah. got to three yeah. within like a couple months. It was it was yeah. grotesque what happened to this podcast. Mm-hmm. So, so basically, what we've decided to do is to um, uh, basically reduce the amount of time per episode, uh, mostly by reviewing fewer records. Uh, so we we talked it through different permutations of how we could do this and we didn't want to compromise on the depth or the detail that you guys have come to really like you know we could try doing as many records and kind of skimming over them but we we just don't want to do that so we're going to be covering fewer uh fewer records making tighter episodes and uh hopefully getting a little bit more work-life balance going that being said we are going to be taking some of that extra time and putting it toward uh, new material for the patrons who have been extremely patient so far with our admittedly relatively spotty and uneven track record when it comes to delivering bonus content. So, However, in the, it, stellar bonus content. Stellar bonus content. Truly worth the wait, the like the flooded Church of Asmodeus tramp stamp. <laughs> I was, I've been waiting so many years for a girl that understood my needs. Um, so yeah, basically, imagine this is uh, you know the the main episodes, the public episodes are going to be shorter, but hopefully no less detailed, and just covering you know two two and a half ish records per episode will open up our ability to maybe do some more news stuff. You know, be a little bit looser with the content. And then we're also going to take some of that time and start making bonus content more consistently, as well as making some new kinds of bonus content that we're kind of excited to get into. Um, 
So we just wanted to make that announcement up front. Uh, we have heard from many people in the past that the three-hour episodes were daunting, but at a certain point we felt like we were responsible for outputting that amount of content. We, we sort of set an absurd standard and neither of us are quitters. <laughs> we so, refuse uh, to compromise our retarded right. values, <laughs> even, as it <laughs> even as it destroyed our lives. Our, our, <laughs> retarded, our retarded and arbitrarily determined values. values. It's like... <laughs> Yeah, we didn't want hours. <laughs> that seems right. We didn't want to disappoint our fan, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, so uh, so basically, this this uh, episode is going to proceed as normal. We got four records tonight. Uh, you know, two full lengths and a couple EPs. But then episodes are going to be shorter, a little bit more concise, but hopefully no less detailed when it comes to what's covered in it. Uh, yeah, we'll do episodes. like we'll we'll do two big reviews and probably a little bit probably take the little bit at the front a little more seriously, use that to cover some additional stuff uh, yeah. on a more regular basis. So you'll get you'll still get your virtually 2-hour show. Um, it's uh, um, also by the way, a uh, independently assembled uh, terminus index uh, says that we've been um, we've recovered two hundred and eighty-five bands. <laughs> that's that's or maybe two hundred and eighty-five records and like ten, ten or twelve, ten or fifteen, a few more bands than that because we've repeated a few. Jesus Christ, I, I haven't even seen that. You're going to have to show that to me. <laughs> I haven't told you about it yet. I just decided I should let you know. Yeah. Oh, well, then fuck it. I don't feel guilty about this move at all anymore. Let's get on to the show. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but before we get on to the show, social media. Uh, me, the death metal guy on Facebook, at Terminus Podcast, or the black metal guy on Instagram, at Terminus Extreme Metal. And then, coming off the heels of me telling you we're going to make less content, I'm going to say you should give us more money. And the way you can do that is by supporting us on either Patreon or Subscribestar. Uh, $3 and up gets you access to all of our Terminus Prime bonus content, and like I said, very soon there's going to be a lot more of that more consistently available. $5 and up gets you access to the Terminus Black Circle, our private Discord server. And just recently instituted, uh, $10 and up gets you access to voting privileges to decide uh, what records or what themes or what have you we're going to cover in uh, a lot of those bonus episodes. Uh, so, with that being said, our last full Terminus uh, for, uh, for at least a long while, and uh, the Black Metal guy... Uh, gets to start this one off. So what have you got, man? All right. Yeah, our format tonight is kind of like appetizers, then main course. So two uh, two uh, significant EPs and then two full lengths. And uh, everything today is uh, pretty, in its own way, pretty uh, straightforward, foot-to-the-floor uh, ugliness. Um, so we're starting out with a vial of putrid hockle by Odious Hiss on Hotchin Pit Records, which I believe is run out of the Instagram of a guy named, uh, what is it? Let me, let me double check. Something about worms and ash and shit. Uh, um, uh, Let's uh, see. Uh, ash. Oh, Ashworm. Ashworm. There you go. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the, uh, a very very cult Instagram label, Instagram only label. Uh, but it, uh, um, although some of his, I think the last tape 
demo is distributed in, in a few other places. But um, this is, as you may have guessed, the thing we call raw tape black. However, the key distinction from other raw tape black is that it is good. Uh, and we'll discuss <laughs> why. Excellent. So next up, our second uh, little hors d'oeuvre before we get to our larger records. Uh, this is uh, coming from some personal friends of mine, some guys that I'm pretty close to, actually. This is the new EP by Merciless Scum titled Archon. Uh, which is getting a tape release on Void Wanderer Productions in January and is available digitally on Bandcamp now. Uh, Merciless Scum is a blackened grindcore band in a very pure sense. Uh, do not get this confused with a black crust or anything like that. This is a surprisingly pure fusion of the two styles that uh, does some things pretty differently than you might be anticipating. Then after our interlude, uh, we will be coming back with the new record by Kayak, Hetzvarte Diktat. Uh, the CD is out on Folter Records, and the cassette is out on, of all things, Hessian Firm. Uh, people who are really into Dutch black metal may have heard of Kayak, or more likely the related band Samoth, or uh, two of the Kayak members are from. Uh, this is a this is an interesting record that we're going to have a lot to talk about. But uh, if you like your uh, if you like your black metal uh, fun and enthusiastic and uh, full of big hooks to get you excited to drink beer, uh, this is exactly the wrong record for you in what may be one of the most dour releases we've covered this year. Yes, uh, and I love it. The, uh, um, and now, finally, uh, the good news is, if you like your black metal fun, full of hooks, and great to drink beer with your buddies with, and also sort of like, do cocaine and crash cars, uh, not, that we, <laughs> not you know, uh, um, not that we would ever condone that, um, uh, this is, uh, Nightmare Lord by... Morgal on Werewolf <laughs> Records. Uh, um, Morgal sounds like the name. That is a retarded version of Morgoth, um, and it is uh, it's it's incredible. It's just sort of blasting speed metal with the uh, massive sugary hooks you've come to expect from uh, Finnish black metal, but like, um delivered in a way you've never heard or even imagined all right and we're off with a vial of putrid hockle by odious hiss out on hotchin pit almost said uh odious piss you know uh, but um it was a slip of the tongue um and uh hockle i assume that's just some sort of uh um some sort of meaning it looks like spit uh st something that has been hocked up so uh a vial of putrid spit um a lot of the song titles here are very potiony uh the aesthetic seems to be wretched medieval peasant magic uh this is uh raw tape black that uh i found thanks to uh 
pure fucking Armageddon, I believe his name is, on Twitter, or not Twitter, Instagram. God, no, not Twitter. Instagram. <laughs> uh, Jesus. Uh, um, That's the future, man, is raw Twitter, Black Metal. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm sh- I can only imagine. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's there. Uh, um, there but there's, um, but so uh, he's, you know, he's, he's got a Instagram account, and uh, he posted the first demo, Adherence to the Forbidden Divination. And, uh, you know, um, uh, I had not heard about this, but apparently it is one of the most in-demand demos of the year. Uh, and um, uh, I, I was like, what the hell? Let's check in with the... Uh, tape scene or the uh or rather the specific raw tape black scene and um it was uh it was quite good um i had been listening to some abrasive post-punk right before then and not which wasn't very good uh but then i put this on and for a minute i was like shit that record just got good and then i realized i changed records (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, and what that also says is that the fir- adherence to the forbidden divination sounded a lot like very aggressive post-punk. Uh, so the stuff is formatted squarely in the sort of uh, stompy heathen black metal tradition that uh, comes out of Legion Blowtown, which has spawned so many offshoots. Uh, now also, you know, uh, a lot of, of Russian bands like that Leshy all kind of has a continuity with the Legion Blowtown scene. Um, and uh, this is a, uh, but this variant is more um, uh, more noise driven, less burly, uh, more more goth than oi, although the oi subtext is still there for sure. Um, and it it struck me for the head uh, sort of like uh, instead of just generically evenly noisy production or an unpleasant guitar tone, right? It has sort of powerful, blown-out noise guitar, right? Making these sort of big, ugly waves of sound uh, and had a good, uh, you know, music adjacency, right? So um, this particular demo is a lot closer to metal metal. Uh, and So what, what did you make of it? Uh, this was an interesting one. Um, as far as stuff that we've covered this year, this actually reminds me a little bit of that uh, glimpse uh, that we heard earlier this year. That would have been like probably February this year. They did the uh, split with mm-hmm. Vampirska. It was that uh, mm-hmm. British band that uh, kind of leaned into this interesting industrial direction. Reminded me a little bit of that. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. what this really reminds me of, and I guess my thesis for this, is that it transcends raw tape black because it is not raw tape black. It is raw CDR black from the 2000s. <laughs> <clears throat> um, this reminds me a lot of just obscure, no-name CDR demo stuff that I would pick up from distros like uh, Rusty Axe Records back in the day. The kind of mm-hmm. stuff that you got for like 2 or $3. It was not, you know, for profit. It was like friends of the label owner who gave him 10 copies of it just when they were hanging out one time and he threw it on the distro. And I loved collecting stuff like that. You know, I loved pouring over these like badly scissor cut inkjet printed inserts stuffed into slimline CDR cases limited to 33 copies a piece. I, I love that shit so much. 
Um, it's kind of similar to what's happening now with the tape stuff, except back then you didn't get to sell your CDR for $200 on Discogs after a few months. Um, but the energy I get off this is a lot closer to that kind of vibe, where it was just music made for one guy or his circle of friends, there wasn't really a profit motivation, and it was concentrated on being weird and not just duplicating the tropes of the style. Because, for instance, what you're not going to hear back on this then, it had zero social capital, right? And oh yeah, you were not <laughs> you were not a cool guy. Capital attached to this stuff, right? Um, <laughs> you were not a cool guy for collecting black metal CDR demos back then. Maybe you are now. Fuck, fine, Um So, what you're not going to hear is like any senior Volant riffs, which is you know what ninety percent of this raw tape black shit is cut and paste out of. You'll hear a little bit of mutilation, just kind of in the execution of everything. But do the melodies really sound like it? Not really. Um, it's not even especially riff-based music, even though there are these really big, vital riffs that the songs are built around. These strike me as songs that are structured a little bit more like industrial songs than they are black metal songs in the typical sense. That makes sense. And there's also a very honest use of drum machine. So you get some just like solid, cool-sounding, understated double-pedal drum machine rolls and things, which would uh, be... Uh, very no-no in the standard sort of uh, vampiric or uh, or or other subgenres of raw tape black, right? Um, yeah, yeah. It's in general, I totally agree with you that this actually sounds much older. Um, it has a kind of uh, um, it has a kind of real eccentricity that is different from a virally transmitted manner um and it is uh and the influence is just yeah they, they're not it is not Vothana worship it's not trying to sound like you know I don't know what is it fucking Eisenwinter or or yeah or or, or the most effete parts of mutilation um and it's uh you know, like the the um yeah the the mutilation in it would be like Ravens of My Funeral, right? mm -hmm. the sort of really punky, ugly mutilation. Uh, and yeah, I, I so let's let's get into one of my uh one of my samples, and I'll try to get to some other kind of bigger early two thousands tendencies here. Um, so one thing I'll lead with in terms of the sort of, uh, right, the thing that you get now that you wouldn't so much back then, right, is this kind of gothiness to the music that persists. And if anything, it's more gothy now, like less sort of just like, it's more concertedly gothy. The, the melodies are darker, right? But um, it's very focused on these sort of echoing single string leads. Uh, and, but they have a real definite shape to them. They're non-interchangeable. Uh, they're worth listening to, uh, and they're often pretty much always doubled by a rhythm line that follows them very closely, but often with like very dissonant chords, just like dragging fourth power chords along or tritones or something. Um, and uh, you'll hear that it kind of sounds like the ringing, drawn out leads on the first Christian Death record. Uh, 
but there are a few. So let's let's listen to it with that in mind, and then we'll get into some more metal stuff. This is a thousand cut maelstrom from about a minute and a half in. So we just faded out over this uh, kind of squalling single string noise guitar solo, right? The main riff continues and the other guitar is just sort of going over it, right? Uh, <laughs> it's designed for you. Yes, yes, yes. This hole uh, was made for me. Ah, <laughs> uh, note three um, or one note. Um, yeah, it's so it, that's the kind of soloing you get on the um, uh, and kind of like I mean certainly in something like Christian Death, um, you you get and or in I, I don't know you know like 
Susie and the Banshees kind of wild, so, like, you know, guitar, fry sound, Bauhaus for sure, in the flat field uh, has that kind of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, any number of any number of recordings from, like, the British bands, but, like, uh, in the underlying melodic sensibility, you can hear that and there were maybe, like, two or three variations on that melody there, but you mm-hmm. can only remember that one kind of core version of it. Uh, the, um, it they kind of just slips into these other variations from that time. The mood there is very Christian death. It's like you took away all the sensuous darkness from only Theater of Pain, you know, all, like, the part, the, the fun, gothy parts that make people like that album, and you just kept the undertone of sort of, like, uh, grit and paranoid misery. Right. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's interesting, like like you were saying, you know, you've got that that basic riff, the hummable version of it, basically. <clears throat> and he's going mm-hmm. through these different kind of mutations of it. But most of these songs are really only based on one, maybe two distinct riffs. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of variation going on in the guitar, but it's not in the form of additional riffs. It, it just comes in these kind of subtle mutations. And then the riffs themselves tend to kind of at their root be based off of like a very simple kind of black metal stem melody. The kind of thing you're going to be familiar with from other bands, but usually corded or harmonized in a really weird way. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And th- that what's interesting there at that turn when that squalling lead guitar is, comes in, there is a weird kind of like semitone shift that happens in the rhythm guitar um kind of syncing up with it or they're weaving in and out of dissonance with each other something like that yeah yeah there's something very interesting that happens there it's like i i get the sense that it's like it's it's sculpted from improvisation but then yes. what's happening is very careful when it's actually recorded yeah that's that, that makes sense because there's a very like in moments like that it's almost like a single guy imitating full band playing the solo goes out and then the rhythm guitar starts like uh the rhythm guitar kind of follows it right um, yeah so so either it's plotted out or he's just doing a lot of takes over and over with those leads and there must be he must at some point right there's very clearly defined points of like if you listen if you listen casually like like just now as i was listening right it just sort of slipped these changes slip by you right if you're listening Mm -hmm. carefully you can pinpoint them like okay here's a new variation but uh for him playing it must he clearly has like okay this one is we're going to do eight reps of this variation it's going to start here you can tell that but it must be hard to remember. Like there's a there's yeah. a, a real subtlety to the writing. Like he probably jams it first, plans it out, and then it's a matter of like being like, wait, was I doing that one with the three notes on the end or the two notes on? Did it go up or down at the end there? Uh, like, yeah, I, I think um, it's probably a process where it's like he's got he's got an idea of kind of a skeletal structure. Mm-hmm. He for the riffs he plans out the drum machine and then he starts exploring variations on the riffs just kind of vamping Mm -hmm. over that drum machine loop it really is proof though that if you are imaginative if you know oh he can have fewer riffs than a ton of other people making music of this you know 
uh, relatively um, relative minimalism because he has he's sort of musical and inventive, right? You have yeah, like why not have one riff per song if it's a good riff and you know how to create meaningful variation on it? Right? Well, I really appreciate um, the I appreciate the quality of this music where it's like aesthetically this lines up with modern raw tape black, but you mm-hmm. don't get the sense that this is a guy who feels in any way beholden to what else is happening in the scene. No, you know, so that is a nice segue. Um, that's the other thing I wanted to talk about with that sample. Um, it's you know, in terms of like what it initially hit me as sounding like, God, I mean, the general vibe. So it's like the earliest stirrings of the scene, of part of the scene that became the tape underground today, right? It, yeah. It's a little bit, it doesn't sound at all like Bone All, but it sounds like bands that kind of orbited around that or became relevant because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've mentioned this once or twice on the show because it's just kind of singular. And there are really only a couple songs on it that are good, but there's a demo by a band called Stella Polaris that Aesop put on Cosmic Hearse years ago. Oh, yeah, the uh, the Quebecois one, right? Yeah, it's got some guys leading a goat, and it just sounds... It's the idea of vile, noisy, oi, black metal, right? But it sounds totally different from what's a lot of the codification of that. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, this has that kind of just like very intuitive uh, bulldozer feel, but the music's a lot subtler. Um, and uh, it also sounds like black metal, things that had more cultural currency in the raw black underground of the CDR days. Yeah. Right? So, I like, specifically, like, the way that a lot of cool things, like, last episode we were talking about how, like, a lot of cool cult Japanese black metal from that era, like Hakuja or Endless Dismal Moan, was kind of DSBM adjacent, mm-hmm. right? Or like if you were listening to like Burzumi stuff, like Vigrid, it sounded kind of like DSBM, right? Um, yeah. This is uh, this sounds like kind of like early Catatonia. The Christian deathy parts have the same kind of. Those the melody lines are like the kind of um, the bleak melodic parts on uh, Brave Murder Day or something. Um, yeah, I get that. The, well, the the and, whole the whole melodic design of this record is kind of interesting. Yeah, at times, at times when it moves towards more elaborate medley stuff or gestures towards more conventional kind of. Uh, glorious Dorian scale stuff it can sound like the really early dark tranquility stuff not because it's technical at all or death metally at all but just because it's based purely on two very thin intertwining lead lines mm-hmm. um, and you know throughout it maintains this atmosphere of like uh, scraping nastiness right uh, and yet there's a constant undertone of sort of uh noble barbarism to it like you can hear how this relates to like white metal or whatever um yeah and uh and it, it kind of it, it's an interesting thing if the theme is medieval witchcraft or something you can hear oh this is a remnant of a bygone you know a bygone pagan culture or something and the other influence that's got to be big here is i think he just like actually listens to burzum <laughs> i love i love how that's become like a meaningful qualifying statement 
on our metal podcast. Yeah. I, I totally yeah. agree with you, but, but mm-hmm. I, I love how it's become vanishingly rare that people listen to Burzum as music rather than as like cultural iconography. And yes, and listen to Burzum as anything other than like philosophism. Yeah, like like actually listening to the self titled and like thinking or about the riffs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so speaking of melodic configuration, so I'm going to get to my sample. This is coming from the last track, uh, "Boiling Wretched Cordial," um, and this one has, I think, the most distinct and most interesting riff on the record. So. Uh, this this is a song that's basically all built around a single riff, and it's a really weird one. And like I said, it's based off of like a kind of a conventional Dorian scale black metal stem melody, like you know the building block of a lot of things you've heard. But it's chorded super weirdly, and the lead guitar is harmonized in this really grotesque way with <laughs> with the riff itself. And you're also going to hear just, like, some of the weird skittering stuff that happens on the drum machine. One thing I appreciate about this is that this guy isn't afraid to, like... Oh, it's... Yeah, it's Raw Black Metal. What, that can't have a groove? That can't have, like, a, yeah, a yeah, yeah. banging part? You know, God yes, forbid, yeah, yeah. you know? Hmm. Um, there's a lot of that across this, which is one of the reasons it maintained my attention it's, so well. It's doesn't... It's not conspicuously tough at all, but you can tell this guy listens to a lot of tough black metal and hardcore. Right, yeah, you can yeah. you can thrash to this, and you know it would be it would be cool to see a live version. Oh yeah, no, I think it would be cool mm-hmm. to see this as an actual band. That would be a weird fucking show. Um, <laughs> so, boiling wretched cordial. This is coming a couple minutes in, and this is you know in a section where the main riff kind of breaks down and then reemerges. Um, and then I'll talk about kind of the role of riffs uh, as I see them in this music a little bit more.
So across this record, like I said, there's interesting riffs. There's an interesting sense of melody and harmonization across this whole thing. But I've got the feel, I don't think that's really what the listener is supposed to stick around for, because a lot of them just kind of hover. They don't really progress mm. in the, the narrative way of a regular black metal song. You, you get interested because of the riff, but you're staying for the texture that it provides. You know, it's hey, uh, some it's, of us like the same thing over and over again. I know. Um, I like the same thing over and over true, again. That's true. That's true. No, um, I, I know what you're. I know what you mean. I, to be yeah. fair, you, you you were saying about the go somewhere, but like you can have a, a one riff song that goes somewhere, and the way you're talking about, right? It has. Well, yeah. Well, like, well, what I'm saying is it doesn't go somewhere in the idea of like a narrative progression of riffs, like a black metal song typically has. Uh, what it does is, it, instead, it explores a sort of closed room. It explores all the different kind of geometric angles and, you know, different locations within that room by mutating these riffs. I mean, really, hmm. in that whole passage, there's basically just one riff, but he contorts it in interesting kind of industrial ways where... The guitars are switching roles. There's some slight reharmonization occurring, like at, at odd points throughout it. It's constructed in the way something like a Blood Oss Nord song is constructed, which is also not very much like black metal as we understand it. Um, it's, uh, but, but yeah, basically, the point I was getting at was it's not so much about the riff as in the melodic contours of it as much as the texture that it provides. You know, it, it's sort of like a tape loop in an industrial thing. Like when I was talking about neoplasia on our mm -hmm. last episode, mm -hmm. you take this loop, you extend it, you compress it, you add effects to it, you change where it pops up in the sound space, yeah, and yeah, what yeah. you get is a complete experience, even though, like, bit by bit, just the fundamental building blocks are remaining fairly static. Yeah, oh, that, that makes sense. I mean, I think... Um Another way you could put it is just like, although the riff, there is intrinsic interest to the riff. I, I agree with you that the riffs aren't the center of the attention here. Uh, mm -hmm. It's certainly on the total effect and the, which is a very industrial thing, uh, and the sheer sound quality, right? The noise. Um, yeah. Uh, w another way you could describe it is like you said, like. It's like he writes elab he writes riffs that are pretty well worked out, but they're playing the general role that just having chords there would do. Yeah, like he's yeah, giving exactly. they're giving the thing a continuous tonal color that changes in semi meaningful ways from song to song. Right, it's pretty. Mm -hmm. It has the album has one sound. Right, uh, yeah. actually, I was going to say that that to your point about it not really progressing anywhere. Um, it uh, when I was eight minutes into the record and realized we were already in the middle of Cat Carcass filled with bile, a great song title. Mm -hmm. um, uh, like the songs, it really well, the whole thing actually really sounds like one long song. Well, the middle two songs um, in particular, Cat Carcass mm -hmm. ends with uh, it ends with a riff which. Parasites in a Blistered Mouth basically starts with an augmentation of exactly that same riff. Yeah, but even from Thousand Cut Maelstrom into Cat Carcass, it's like the riffs are so cut from the same cloth that like it just rolls on. So it, it does yeah. have that in intense continuity. So really it's like it, they're, they're, it's like 
a lesser band could have produced this general color just by using chords and then would have had to go go on and uh or certain very basic repeating riffs and that i just that just mark out a harmonic territory and then would have had to provide some sort of additional interest in various ways right with that with the yeah. noise and stuff and this is it's like He's put so much effort into creating that harmonic template that if you zoom in on it, or if you listen carefully, you're like, oh my god, there's like a bunch of riffs here. Yeah, uh, and I, I think that... I guess my kind of closing thoughts are, you know, we've talked a lot on this show about the idea of a British black metal sound, and how, you know, over the years it never really congealed into something specific but after covering stuff like this uh, Glemt um, uh, let's see Oppress definitely mm-hmm. um, Eisenskur who I'm somehow starting to come around on in some weird way um, yeah. and like uh, Spider God who I know I'm more of a fan of than you are but, but it it's does definitely feel like in the school there's, there's a thing emerging there is a and the Legion Blotan stuff and stuff that you're better acquainted with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Legion uh, Blotan like, and Eisens and Eisensker are older, but you can see them as roots of this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this yeah. this idea of like a a new paradigm in a sense of raw black metal of what it means to be that and these certain like mm-hmm. continuous thematic and sort of atmospheric elements that are binding all of them together. Yeah. And it being kind of uh, very independent from all those bands, sort of very independent from heavy metal in general. Like, Mm -hmm. what's remarkable about this band is, if anything, although texturally and sonically, it's even further into just sounding like goth or noisy punk or whatever, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. It it has these sort of uh, gestures towards these sort of more 90s metal ideas. Yeah. but um yeah no i mean i i like this a lot and i like it even more after talking about it with you it's it's um like you know i i might even attempt to find a copy except uh and i look at the uh youtube comments thread and it's always filled already filled with a flame war about uh big cartel this is a little one gash and you're listening to terminus all right, we are back with our second record of the evening. This time we have Archon, the uh, second EP by Merciless Scum. Uh, the cassette, like I said up front, is coming out on Void Wanderer Productions, and uh, the digital release is independent, available by the band now. Full disclosure up top, these guys are very close friends of mine. Uh, I've probably played two dozen shows with them with my own band, I saw them last week play this EP in full, uh, sort of an album release show type thing, and uh, I, I, uh, I believe I shared a practice space with them for about a year at one point, so suffice to say I'm not coming from an objective standpoint here. But um, So real quick, so Merciless Scum has been around for a little while, about five, maybe six years now. And uh, their initial incarnation was as a pretty pure grindcore band. But definitely on the metal side, very kind of galvanized and metallic. 
uh, heavily reminiscent of Nazem. I think that was by far the primary influence, uh, as well as stuff like Worm Rot, maybe some Insect Warfare Watchmaker, stuff like that. Uh, definitely on the riffy side more than the noisy side. Uh, then band kind of went dormant for a while. There were some lineup changes, and they came back, but this time is sort of uh, with a black metal inflection. Um, so this is being described as blackened grindcore, which can can mean a lot to a lot of different people. The first thing that it brings to mind is something like black crust, which is uh, which is a terrible thing. Which uh, this is not. <laughs> yeah, it's term- terminus opposes blackened crust. <laughs> yeah, we oppose we oppose just about anything with the uh, the crust uh, suffix uh, except for crust, you know? except for actual crust bug. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Which is you know a vanishingly a vanishingly rare commodity these days. Um, mm. So basically, what we have with this EP with this new version of the band is. Uh, this remarkably pure blending of the influences that were present before, you know, that sort of like modern metallic grindcore, but with a pretty straight up black metal set of riffs. You know, uh, what I hear, um, I was talking to the guys about this the other night, I hear a lot of like old enthroned and like old Melichesh, but I think a lot of these ideas probably just come from like Emperor and Dark Funeral and more straightforward stuff like that. Um, So, What's really interesting is that there's no attempt to join the genres in the manner of something like old Anal Nathrock. This is not like noisy grind. And Wilkins agrees with me, apparently. Energetically. Um, yeah, this is. Oh my god, Wilkins, come on, get, get over here. Alright, I gotta hold Wil- it. Wilkins, Wilkins says Anal Nathrock jumped the shark after a few albums. They jumped the shark after the first one. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's all about the Codex Necro. But anyway, so basically what I, you have dude, Codex is... Codex Necro is good. Anyway, continue. Yeah, no, that's still a great record. Um, Eschaton has its moments, too. I, um, I listened to Hell is Empty a lot, but I think that was sort of an entry-level thing for me. They're still fun. I'm just not going to ever, like, listen to it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the Yeah. If yeah. a friend puts it on, that's fine. <clears throat> um, so anyway, basically what you get is a set of sort of traditional modern black metal riffs laid over this rhythmic foundation of pretty pure aggressive grindcore and that has interesting effects on both parts of that equation um you know these these sort of traditional black metal riffs get sort of mutated and deformed by these really aggressive kind of like neck snapping rhythms that they're played over and the drumming performance uh, gets this interesting inflection from these uh, more dramatic melodic ideas. I think that it's still kind of a transitional work. Uh, I was talking to the guys, you know, this is kind of a compilation of songs like written on their own, you know, just kind of like getting an EP together to kind of present the new idea. But I think there's a lot of interesting source material here uh, that could lead to some pretty novel ideas down the road. It's just a very different take on the sort of black grind thing compared to what you typically hear, uh, you know, just from that description. So uh, what, did, what did you think of this one? Uh, I like it okay. I would say I think I'm a bigger fan of where it's heading than where it's at. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, it's uh, like 
does yeah is sort of like black grind uh it's sort of like black grind independent of the whole black and crust pastiche notion a good idea yeah sure um uh and i i mean god i like some of those old bands you mentioned like be kind of interested to hear the sound more like codex necro um or like watchmaker a band who i've literally never listened to but can tell are good um, uh, <laughs> Watchmaker is sick. You should definitely. I was go back thinking. To that. I was thinking when I was listening to this, I was like, oh, I wonder if this is like a watch, like related to Watchmaker. And so yeah, they're they're just they're one of those places that's been filled. You know how like, you know like on the map with thumbtacks and shit. Like I have a thumbtack <laughs> for them, but uh, um, yeah. but but anyway, so um, black grind, good, uh, like the stuff we were talking about with Odious Hiss, early 2000s in a good way. Um, I think we both agree that this record gets a lot stronger as it goes on. Um, Absolutely, yeah. I, uh, the, the strongest I, songs, I think it picks up at about track three. I think you think it really picks yeah. up at track four. And, and I think four and five are much better than track three. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, and, you know, it's hard to, this is a really short record, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, I mean... Um, it's sort of it's almost not enough sample size to really judge I think if we were to judge this as heading towards the direction on the aphotic eye and archon then I like it but um I think maybe some more development of the kinds of black metal riffing would help uh and just the sort of well we'll get into it when we get to the samples I guess here I'll play a sample um yeah sure so uh a thing that sort of makes this stand out to me and makes it unique it's like okay this is sort of doing black metal ideas but done in a way that can only be done with this grindcore inflection uh is uh this song is good at using sort of steady blasting in the black metal vein to create sort of uh rhythmic grinding effects that you can really only well grindcore right uh mm-hmm. um particularly look for in the sample the uh the eighth note archgoat blast which mostly crops up in war metal of course but this isn't really a war metal record this is like black grind without the war metal at all this is this is a much older kind of idea of black grind yeah yeah yeah, yeah like you yes
Okay, yeah, so you heard at the end they were doing that sort of staggered archgoat blast and basically made a hook out of it. Yeah. Uh, With sort of, uh, you know, um, the riffian synced to the vocal in a... uh, Yeah, Yeah, like a a version of that happens on uh, Lawless Icker also, I think, the third track. Word, yeah. Well, that's a good idea, right? Um, It's... uh, it's kind of like a gesture that's it's one of those things that often comes across as poppy right not necessarily in a bad way but it can just also reflect like good writing and the interesting thing happening there is that sample is almost all even continuum of blasting with this kind of churning riff stuff that probably has three riffs in it Mm-hmm. With somewhat different harmony, harmonic qualities in it too. I think the last riff is a little more epic sounding, but um, uh, it's just a thing you could only get with this particular synthesis. Um, and the uh, the idea that it, there's no like marker for the hook part, it just happens as part of this stream of pummeling blasting, which I think is also unique and a really good idea. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's, um, I mean, yeah, I get, I get where you're getting at. I, I think that a lot of the significance of certain moments on this song rests on the way these kind of grindcore rhythmic configurations alter the riffs. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. The way they kind of have to play catch up uh, at the end of phrases, you know, these kind of, there's... There, there's an interesting thing that like dedicated grindcore bands do. It's like they they kind of wax and wane. They like speed up at the end of phrases, and you know they they wane a little bit and draw it out a little bit a little bit in the middle. You know, there's this mm-hmm. subtle kind of like meta swing feel to everything, which is yeah, obviously sure, completely different for black metal. So. Yes, there's a lot more expansion and contraction and sort of uh, and sort of. Uh, ironically, musicality to the way grind bands play with rhythm than you get in default black metal. And I think black metal in general could learn a lot from that. Uh, but yeah, so I think there's something, an interesting thing going on where like you've got a continual stream for about a minute and a half, a continual stream of trem riffing and blast beats, mm-hmm. but it kind of moves at a the grind things are being used to make it move at a mid-tempo and it's it has this these fluctuating rhythmic effects throughout it this sort of like changing pulse that you wouldn't get in bm so that's Mm -hmm. cool um another thing i want to say about this is the there's a kind of big ballsy riff at the beginning of that sample that's played open chords um, mm-hmm. It sounds kind of like a Blashirk Mighty Raven Dark riff or something, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Or, or, or a High on Fire riff, right? It comes, they're the same picture. Uh, and, um, uh, and there's a riff like that at the beginning of the record, too. Uh, it's, um, or let's see, it's not on the, is it on the, no, there's an intro track here. So it's the first riff on Chalice of Sticks. Mm-hmm. But um, this band is quite good at writing just, like, big, ballsy riffs that have some harmonic nuance to them uh, and that play on the massive low-end brick guitar tone that you wouldn't get in black metal, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they rely but, on that tone to kind of carry the significance. But, but why aren't they blasting those? <laughs> um, like, make those the main riff. Like, uh, those are really good. Um, and, and I think it might have something to do with grind conventions of a certain kind. I'm wondering, like, is there a convention where if if a grind song is mostly these, you know, certain kinds of, like, blasty parts or hardcore breakdowns, right? If When you want to pull in a hook or something, do you make it one of these sort of big kind of chest-thumping open-up moments in the music? Like where you go to like half-time or quarter-time? I, I think it kind of is... I think that's coming from the grind DNA. You know, the idea of dropping in like turning your hook into a mosh section specifically Um, yeah but you can't really mosh to those parts those are like sludgy in a way that like grind band things on the hardcore spectrum would do but metal bands wouldn't that's fair you know i i think that part of it is a desire to just create more variation because you know a lot of this music is based off these extended blast passages like you said you've got this kind of just solid brick of a guitar tone i feel like this is the kind of band where just when you're operating under these kind of parameters you need to exaggerate certain features you know to get them to stand out more to uh, you know, kind of like you know, <laughs> you know, be provocative, get the people going, so to speak. So, but I, I get what you're saying. I think that there are rearrangements that could be made because I think, like you're saying, a lot of those hook riffs end up being some of the coolest riffs just from like an isolated guitar perspective on the record, and maybe those should be centered more. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm like, and you know, partly it's just learning auditory conventions in a new genre okay and grind you flag it by doing it as the big sludgy thing but surely you might also throw it in the middle of the song in a grind song right like you have the big sludgy thing in the middle of the song and it's kind of like the chorus um in black metal you flag something by playing it with blast beats a lot of times right. <laughs> yeah it's a, um <laughs> And another note on the brick-like guitar tone. Um, it's a it's the right direction, but as it is, everything on this, I don't mind at all hearing a record where everything kind of blends together, and what you get is mostly just pulsations, and you have to like listen more quick closely to discern the melody. That's mm-hmm. totally fine, but I think maybe in an attempt to avoid that, they've made it quite quiet. So it's like really I huge and huge and blown out, but very quiet. And so I've listened to it on speakers fairly loud. I just listened to it on good headphones. And it's still hard to make things out, and it doesn't make me want to put my head through a wall. Yeah, I think that that's an attempt to... It, it's one of those things where it's like good production impulses almost operate counterintuitively because it's like this kind yes. of stuff it's like yes. you you kind of want it to clip a little bit you yeah. know you, you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. kind of want it to be excessive D- doesn't nasm clip oh yeah jesus christ yeah they do <laughs> yeah it's yeah, like i think you want immortal clips 
Yeah, yeah, I think some more clipping on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would, no. I would rarely say that, but yeah, no, it's like, true. yeah, brick wall the fuck out of this. Just brick normalize wall. past this whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> you, you will never be one of us. Um, it's, <laughs> it's no, yeah, brick wall I, the fuck out of it, and like. Um, I think if the fear is that those big riffs will lose distinction, trammed and brickwalled, no, just do it anyway. We'll we'll do yeah. the legwork for you. Yeah, just 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 make it fucking louder and yeah. more brackish. Make yeah. make the people come to you. If it's really loud and the sick riffs are there, it won't matter. The people can't hear them instantly. <laughs> treat it, treat it like a benumb record or something like. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. So let me go to my sample. Um, this is going to be mm -hmm. off the title track, Archon. Um, and this is going to be a really good example of what I think are the best parts of this, which is that weird, as you said, expand, contract, whiplash effect at the end mm -hmm. of phrases. Mm -hmm. So you're going to hear a sequence of riffs that are generally like traditional black metal riff configurations, you know, augmented a little bit with, you know, the, the, the grindcore guitar that's still in there. Um, but what you're going to hear is the way these these riffs are timed out. They're already timed out in interesting ways, but that gets so exaggerated by the incredibly like abrupt snapping kind of nature of the drum performance here. Um, and what you get is something that feels very alive and very organic. It's mm -hmm. it's almost like excessive full band energy when it's played mm -hmm. like this, you know? So let's listen to uh, about the first half of Archon. So that that I feel is the the level of aggression where this all really comes together, you know. Just the these these rivers of blast beats and really aggressive kind of traditional Norse tremolo riffs just spilling over each other, you know. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think you could probably hear it kind of subtly at the end of the phrases, you know, you got your, your kind of guitar fill at the end of the riff phrase, and then it has the double time to catch up with the drums because it snapped into a fill like almost too quickly. And that energy, that's where the whole idea of the grindcore and the black metal really comes together for me, is the way these kind of conventional riff forms just mutate into something really weird and interesting under the weight of just this constant, like, ceaseless motion from the drums. Yeah. Um, and they can just sort of... I mean, the continued variation within Stream of Blast Beats is just a really good thing. A good mm -hmm. tool. Like, and the impulse to change the riff... Well, just the impulse to change the riff and keep blasting is yeah. very 90s, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I was just listening to Dawn or Nidin, that's what they do, right? It's just like, why stop, right? No, but, the blast um, beat, that's, that's the fundamental but, unit of this music. Why would I ever stop doing that? <laughs> exactly, yeah, but that's the part that sounds sick, right? But this band can do that with a lot more rhythmic punctuation, right? Mm -hmm. Uh and that is cool. They can produce effects that are kind of like the Slayer beat or punk beat driven parts of verses, but just by blasting. You know what? These guys should listen. I feel like in terms of things that it would be good for this band to, I'm sure they listen to, but like things that seem highly relevant to what they're doing, the early Inquisition records. Oh, yeah. I know that uh, at least one member was a big fan of the older Inquisition stuff. But I think that you're definitely right. That just, like, river of, like, spilling, kind of writhing blast yeah. beats. Yeah, kind of slow, droning blast beats, which with occasional moments of just, like, whiplash rhythm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And, and then Inquisition also provides a pattern for, like how to make those kind of sludgy parts stand out amidst all that as well. Yeah, and this band can do that sort of thing with a lot more fluidity and kind of absent the mystic drone quality, right? Just make it more like classic metal, uh, metal and grind in your face excitement, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I consider Inquisition exciting, but you know what I mean, right? No, yeah, yeah. I know that they, yeah. They, yeah. they're exciting, but in <laughs> a different way. Uh, you, you have to you, you have to uh, have a, the taste for that already to find it exciting. Yes, exactly. It's incredibly yeah. It's deliberately rigid and hypnotic, right? Whereas this yeah. can be sort of snaky, liquid, and yeah, supposed to be specifically like warm and kind of frothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I think that you know I've got because I see like multiple paths forward for this band mm -hmm. you know it's like this okay so this is a transitional record this is the first one with the new lineup and kind of the new style so where does it evolve from here is i'm thinking that maybe like uh putting even more import on the riffs because there's there's a lot of mm -hmm. interesting mm -hmm. kind of phrygian black metal ideas like I, I keep going back to like old Melichesh for some reason mm -hmm. which I don't know if that was a substantial influence here but just some of those kind of slinky riffs but then played way too quickly and aggressively mm -hmm. I like that idea and I almost like the idea of you know the the guitarist uh, you know like writing a song riff by riff bringing it to the drummer just telling the drummer to go and just trying to keep up 
on guitar. Oh. <laughs> you know, like the more they exaggerate that whiplash effect and those really pronounced kind of rhythmic stabs that they're so good at, I feel like that's where the heart of the sound here is. <laughs> Maybe one of the most, like I said up front, possibly the most dour record we've ever covered on the show with uh, KX Hetzvarte Diktat on Folter Records and Hessian Firm. Um, describing this music is a challenge. Uh, I could see some people calling this Black Doom or the world's slowest war metal record, maybe. Um, I. I- I think the band did describe it as war metal via sort of like black metal guitar ideas. Yeah. Uh, So Kayak does a lot of things. Um, A lot of this really, I mean, you kind of have to speak by comparison. There's moments of this, especially in the faster parts, that remind us of Need and Division 187. Um, the slower parts remind me a lot of demoncy specifically and the whole thing is wrapped together with a, a with guitar work that is at once very simple but extremely intuitive and very specialized uh, you know a lot of these riffs are very simple three or four chord arrangements 
but harmonized in really interesting ways. Uh, but also never sacrificing the kind of like brute primival quality of them. I don't know, man. I, I, I'm really having trouble trying to articulate what this is like. It's excellent. I, I, I think we both I agree that you, it's fucking awesome. But I think if you wanted to download the line description of it, I think slow knitting is totally fair. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I've been re-listening to, and it's fresh for me because I've just gone. I actually was like, "Fuck, time to finally throw my bone." So I bought uh, Impergium and Judgment on Bandcamp, and I've listened to Impergium a lot. And a, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Um, B, uh, like I like it even more now than back then. Um, but uh, B, like there's one quote-unquote slow part on it. Which is actually a blisteringly fast double pedal bass roll, just kind of like one minor three. Right, right. Just before they on one of those one of those tracks, and so like that suggests the possibility of a slow knit in, and just like if you, if you took those songs, if you took those songs and you cut the number of notes in half and or less, like. I cut it to a third and you slowed the tempo by 50% you'd basically have this like I think in some sense it has more to do with Nidin than anything else because the harmonic sensibility and the mood uniting the whole thing is like Nidin minus any of Nidin's gestures towards uh, um, you know sort of uh, bleak romantic melody yeah, there's no big it's, triumphant moments. It's just the most churning no, moments yeah. of Needin. <laughs> yeah, nothing will remind you of Dawn. Right? Um, well, what this... Uh, so, this is interesting. So, a couple of the guys from this band are from Samoth, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with. But um, I know how Samoth sounds and probably... And I think I strongly approve. It's just one of those things I've never gotten around to checking out more. Yeah, I, I I had a couple Samoth records back in the day, which is much more kind of straightforward, very aggressive, kind of Marduk inspired yeah. inspired but black metal. T technically um, accomplished Marduk meets Kvist. Yeah, something like that. Like like without Marduk without kind of the hooky moments. You know, it's just the, it, with, it's very unfriendly music. <laughs> like sometimes like with keys, right? Yeah, occasionally keys, and, and there's some of that in here too. Mm -hmm. um, so, I guess an, an interesting thing that I thought is like, um, this is uh, one second. God damn it! Hold on. Sorry. Sorry, uh, Moira gets in the cabinet under the sink and then won't push her head against the door to get out of it. So she'll just poke it with her paw until I let oh, her out. That's. Very endearing. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Anyway, so something I, I, I guess another comparison that I would make is a lot of this has a similar. It's hitting on similar ideas to some of this like gloomy ritualistic stuff that we've covered throughout the show. Mm -hmm, stuff like mm -hmm. uh, serpent trance uh, upon the altar, cultum and teratum. But the, the aggregate effect of it is very different. The mood is very different, and the constituent influences are different. Yeah, like, I, heard, uh, I heard the Cult of Interitum thing for sure. It's definitely like, 
it's uh, it's found its way to a similar outline as those things. It maybe it could only exist at the same time as them, but yeah, everything else about it is different. Yeah, it's like I, I, I describe the atmosphere of this record as being like a <laughs> like a battlefield aftermath cleanup procedure. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's like it's like pulling the corpses off of the battlefield after it's already happened. Like there's there's no moments of like glorious conflict. It's just like God, this is miserable music in the best way possible. <laughs> there's a moment in Storm of Steel where Younger describes seeing something like a decomposed half decomposed corpse caught in the barbed wire. And, you know, it was the first time they're deployed. And so, you know, it's like he's like, yeah, this was horrifying and full of pathos. And then he was like, but after seeing a few of them, you get used to it. This is the sound of getting used to it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, let's, let's, let, let's play them how this shit sounds, man. It's going to be very hard to talk about it without the samples to drive it. <laughs> so this is uh, from Dick Vecalin, uh, which is the second track. It sounds kind of like the first track. Um, this record has an intensely homogenous sound, and we're going to have to point out very slight details to explain what makes each of these tracks stand out, but they do, I promise, this has an intensely craftsman-like hand behind, or not craftsman-like, this has a intense craft to it. Um, so let's go to uh, Dick Fecklin, uh, about a minute in.
Man, imagine showing this <laughs> record to imagine showing this record to like a normie and explaining how this is like actual music that you listen to in your spare time. They would call the police. <laughs> it's like, please stop this man before he goes any further. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know you've um, and and like you know you think there's like I, I don't know you know you can have a feeling oh there's nothing shocking anymore or whatever right and. It's true that much less shocking music is being produced now. That's not because you can't just reach out and make it. Right? <laughs> this is, even that, as jaded as we are, this is still like horrifying in a way. Yeah, that's like what we were talking about with the Sorgonazia too. Kind of like um, you could just make black metal this intense, but you don't, right? Uh, <laughs> and and like in some sense, this sound has been waiting for someone to reach out and grasp it since 1994 right you'd need about 1994 for the harmonic palette to become possible maybe 95 mm-hmm. uh and then after that right it's it's just existed there and uh, uh what is it uh jan Kreutwagen, uh had the uh yeah yeah he had the he had the nerve to reach out and grasp it right so this is um in that part man how do we break the thing is right this is it would be so easy to say, oh, it's just... We could even do a positive review, right? Say, it's just fucking, you know, the uh, the the down-tuned guitars and the gloomy keys convey an emotion of despondency. Um, <laughs> right? Uh, or we, you know, um, uh, but like... Well, it's, it's not... Well, it's not despondent, as you said. It's much more just stoic. Right. Uh, well, it's like but, you um, know what you know what it is. Explaining what makes this special is like when I have to articulate what makes another brutal death record special. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. So here, I'll take my whack at it. As um, it's um, first, let's talk about the let's talk about the end first because that's fresher in your memory uh, and also harder to tell apart. So there's a big rhythmic part which we'll get into. And then there's a blast, blasting part, right? Notable thing is, I can remember that riff now. I've listened to it a lot, but I can mm-hmm. now remember the riff. That is three chords. Um, and uh, that riff comes in, then you get this big void in the song with keys. Mm-hmm. And then after the break, we drop into a blast riff that sounds enormous because it has four. (laughs) (laughs) Right? This guy is very patient. There's no anxiety about like, oh, do I need to change the note? Um, Right? (laughs) There's no... Never change the note. (laughs) No, no. This is the note, and it will remain until the riff repeats. Thank you. Um... And it's uh, and under it, it's got this like strange stammering drums. It's like he's playing like one of those kind of Ledney core beats that you like, you know, like kind of like a Von Havahedge Profanatica kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's doing this sort of kicks like a, one of those kind of like really rigid kick snare things. 
but it cashes out as a blast beat orally, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like a blast part has dropped. And then when the first riff comes back with like proper sixteenth note blast, it's like da 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 da. It sounds like like oh shit, it's so fast now. Um, uh, uh, and so he creates the classic black metal effect of. You know the uh, I, I, this is roughly the two thirds stonker, right? Yeah, you are, or <laughs> maybe midway through the song, but like you have the big dropout, and then suddenly a riff you haven't heard hits, and it's the big riff, and then oh my god, there's another big riff after it that I, it, oh, it's the same riff as before, but it's so sick now, right? He does that. He does the like two riffs in the bag at the end of the song effect, and he does it with mm-hmm. one new riff. And he does it with like five notes. Um, <laughs> so, well, the, the, something that's really important on this record, which we'll get into as I when I get to my example, mm-hmm. is the manipulation of time. Like, yes. the, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the sense of time on this record is bizarre, which is weird to say because all of this is in four four. All of this is like remarkably painfully straightforward music but it, somehow you never feel like you've got a full grasp on it because I think there's just like really abrupt full tempo changes we're not talking about like double time into cut time or anything like that we're talking about just like weird like it's 30 BPM faster now um, and part of that is like I love how blast beats just happen on this record like they, they, there's there's no announcement there's no there's no like punctuation mark they just kind of happen that that kind of have there's a really good example of that in that sample right you were yeah, on yeah, yeah. <laughs> a thing that sounds like the blast beat because it was so crawling just before that and then it's like oh we're back at the blast now and it just like spills it just like uh the feeling it just sort of like smoothly sort of tips over the edge and drops Right? You're just it's got like, this like, it's got this profoundly nihilistic, like arbitrary quality to it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so much more so. sadistic than like making a big deal out of it would be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just um, uh, and it um, yes, that is cool. The other thing I want to talk about rhythmically, right, is um, although the basic rhythmic there are no like there's no fancy there's no like i don't know five nine or whatever right but there's like uh a great subtle sense of rhythm in the plane even just when they're doing the blasting stuff right that sort of transition from that strange halftime blast to the full-time blast right was very well managed Mm -hmm. um but also on the slow part at the beginning of that sample, right? That basically functions as the hook on the song. It's really heavy. It's got that flam on the drums. Um, and uh, that's got the sort of uh, swaggering, kind of knuckle-dragging vibe we've identified in Australian bands a lot, like Samane and Mongrel's Cross have, have that. Mm-hmm. Neither of them are particularly knuckle-dragging. The band that knuckle-drags is, is, is Cauldron Black Ram. 
does that. Yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's very skulldug- Neanderthal. Skullduggery. Ooga booga. Right? Um, <laughs> but so this is definitely more on the ooga booga end of the spectrum, right? But the uh, but these kind of like three against four flam things. Um, here the variation being that the default, even though you can count it in 4-4, four, four, where you can't say just like, okay, there's like four triplets, there's another four triplets, the basic shape of the riff is time to like eight sets of those mm-hmm. so instead of like i don't know 12 8 it's something i don't know i can't count how that count that high um, <laughs> it's a, but um, yeah there is like an abstract like almost polyrhythmic quality sometimes I'm, I'm sorry i'm the black metal guy the highest i can count is six um, <laughs> um the uh but um yes it's kind of poly it's like simple polyrhythm uh and there's a lot of give and groove in it. Um, the way they're just sort of like dragging those bass, just those those little like flam parts at the end, which are also subdivided on the guitar, just drag it along at the end. Um, and I, I was going to say, in terms of like tracing the genealogy of that very distinct thing, I've realized it might come from Absu. Mm, um, okay. Specifically, uh, like certainly an influence on all those Australian bands with the sort of like Celtic barbarian meets thrash metal thing but like uh, p- particularly the early stuff like Barathrum and the Son of Tifereth um, and Barathrum's sound extremely murky and cryptic is like and both of those records have these kind of hovering hovering static keys that mm-hmm is uh, that's something that like could be at least be a general reference point here in terms of what it's like to create what it would be to create music in this kind of esoteric early 90s vein the other stuff would be like uh, fucking like I don't know like Samael early Samael mm-hmm. yeah I get you the the most cryptic parts of mm-hmm. kind of like mid 90s black metal Mm-hmm. Like um, Ceremony of Opposites or even the record before it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, also, uh, uh, fun fact, Barathrum Vitriol probably has my favorite black metal cover art of all time. Oh, for sure. That's Oh, my God, it, dude. It's the coolest fucking thing in the world. Yeah. You know, immediately Google that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. All right. So, but back to, back to Kayak. Okay. So, here's what I really want to make the case of demoncy being an important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Demoncy is one of the coolest bands on the planet. Um, Joined in Darkness is one of the best black metal albums of all time, and it's been secretly very influential to a lot of cool people. I think it's a big part of this record. So, basically, I mean, there's a couple threads you could trace. Uh, a lot of these basic ideas could come from Demoncy, or they could come from Beherit, but the way these riffs are executed is very demoncy. There's this like horrible weight and sluggishness to the way these kind of slides and bends are executed. Very simple like three chord configurations for a lot of these riffs, but all of the life is in the movement and the passing tones from one chord to another and these like awful bends that last half a measure, stuff like that. So, let's go to the title track Hetzvarte Diktat, uh, which is a song that is basically just one goddamn riff. You know, played <laughs> continuously. Like, agonizingly. It's it's so cool. 
I, I love how every time we try to describe this record, it sounds like we hate it. But no, this is actually one of the coolest records of the year. I think we can say. Already. Oh, I, I, <laughs> oh, for sure. This is high year end for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the sad thing is, this is the kind of thing I want to listen to regularly. <laughs> oh, God. Please, please seek help black metal guy i, I listened to more shit like this when i was younger do you remember i'd just be listening like hey death metal guy check out this album of sort of like grinding industrial dark throne worship by italians you know? <laughs> like i can't i look back at some of the shit i listened to back in the day and i'm like i listened to that in the middle of the day how, how did I not kill myself? <laughs> yes, how did I not kill myself? Exactly, yeah. Also, but also, so when we get to the sample, there's another thing I want to ask you about, which is uh, something these guys do so well, which is something you oddly don't like on certain other albums, like that mm-hmm. Ruin record we covered, which mm-hmm. is the idea of these horrible liminal spaces of tempo where everything's a little bit too slow or a little bit too fast from what it mm-hmm. properly mm-hmm. should be. But anyway, let's listen to just like smack dab in the middle of this ghoulish fucking track. Like I said, that's basically one riff until you get the big stomping one at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so something interesting and something that's specific to demoncy, uh, at least that's what I know them in particular best for, is the idea of like a very simple three chord riff and you're starting and ending with the same chord, but the measure starts in the middle of that chord's 
being sustained. So you get this weird looping yet oddly off time effect because you're starting with like a half measure and then it loops back into the full thing as the riff repeats. It, it's a really simple technique, but it's one that's been kind of forgotten by a lot of bands now. And it just You're thinking of the riff. It's the it's actually it's the first iteration of that where it's just new measure. Yeah, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a darkthrone. That's like um, that's a darkthrone thing. Yeah, but like the the specific way that it's like etched out just with those like droning like open eighth note chords and stuff mm-hmm. it is ugh god like that that's a that's a, a very like joined in darkness by demon sea thing to do like oh, half I, the I riffs on that album or that <laughs> that specifically you know it's um, um i see i see what you mean i just mean yeah very pre 95 thing to do for sure yeah um, yeah um so but what's fascinating is like the liminal spaces of tempo that this operates in like when that big riff at the end that horrible like just like clanging down picked thing at the end comes Mm -hmm. in that's like way too long and way too weird and it's played like 15 bpm too slow like that could be like an arch goat like headbanger riff Mm -hmm. but it's just awful instead it's just it's the worst feeling thing on the planet it should be this moment of catharsis after all this this tension's been built with those really chromatic previous riffs but there is no release it's just another horrible thing made out of the same chords do you mean the yeah, yeah. You see, you're doing it too fast, though, because it's... Exactly, no, I know. I know, I know, And you can feel like... So I just hummed the arch I just hummed the arch Yeah, you hummed the arch version. And it's like, you can feel the whole band, like, almost doing that expansion contraction thing. of like, they're like, they know it's supposed to be faster. And you can hear them almost, like, hitch and stutter like mm-hmm. but no no we're, we're sticking with this this awful shambling ghoul of a riff that we have and it's mm-hmm. so fucking sick <laughs> I, so i think in terms of i like it here you know i mean in terms of if it were all like that i probably wouldn't like it as much one thing i really like about this record is it never even in parts like that it never loses momentum you cannot it's absolutely true that it drops into that section like it should be a headbanging thing and when it mm-hmm. first hits i it definitely is heavy i'm like oh shit yeah this riff but i i tried it you certainly cannot headbang to it right um but it does have a drive to it in the partly in the way that you say it feels like it should be faster like almost just the shape of the riff gives it drive um uh, yeah, yeah, and that's it, it, that's something across the whole record. It's filled with feelings like that. It's amazing it, it, how simple this music is, but you can never predict where a song is going, ever. That's certainly true. Um, that relates to that feeling of arbitrariness. Like, okay, mm-hmm. this happened. Um, but the, uh, um, yes, a, uh, a 50 BPM riff appeared. Um, <laughs> the, uh, right, but the, um, I think in terms of like the tempo thing of this versus ruin, it's just like 
I just don't like like this. So first of all, the riffs have some internal drive to them that I think often is not in the Ruin riffs. Uh, mm-hmm. Ruin riffs have that kind of like flapping, flabby kind of like. But I think we described it as flesh on bone thing, mm-hmm. something like flesh hanging from the bone. Which I get why it works as a death metal thing, but it doesn't. In the like punk beat, for me the real thing with the ruin is just that the punk beat parts or the characteristically punk beat to blast parts don't land rhythmically. Yeah, I get it. it's it's just rhythm. not your thing. Yeah, yeah, and bec- like maybe just I, I can't even say I always dislike slowed down skank beats because sometimes I do. Right, and we all like coffins. Right? Yeah, um, yeah, the masters right? of the slow down. Exactly. Who, who doesn't like Ovens? Or as you were saying, you know, Iljarn is very like much slower than you'd expect. Um, mm-hmm. But um, uh, so I, I think I, I think the weird tempos work here, and one reason they work really well is that there are also moments that just are viscerally gratifying. So like the blasting part behind that, before that, that is slower than you'd expect. But the slowness by like a lot—that's even slower than the Archgoat Half Blast, right? But mm-hmm. but it's the same principle being used to generate just this like devastating headbanging thing. And I'm like, you know, you can dance to that part, and I the dance is something like you are banging with both hands at once on the door to the dungeon, yelling to be let <laughs> out, or you are banging with both hands at once on the gate to the castle, yelling to be let in, right? It's like, <laughs> you know, um. Uh, or arguably banging on the door to the dungeon, asking the guy in the dungeon to let you inside, and he's saying no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's a uh, a really good riff, um, and you can bang your head to that. Um, and so you know, there's just like uh, there, there's a lot of pummeling heavy stuff on this record, uh, in addition to the sort of. Uh, deliberate like that part isn't even the sloggiest part on this record right (laughs) that like that award has to go to um actually my next sample decabal (laughs) um this is um this so the sample i've pulled is the moment of drama on a song that aside from this has one riff um, and you will hear that riff, I can't remember, either at the beginning or end of this sample, maybe at the beginning. But, uh, yeah, uh, check this out.
so then it just keeps going for the rest of the song. <laughs> it's not even really like it fades out into ambient stuff. It really just is uh, variations on one, uh, I guess, like seven sharp, like, like one seven point five, one down a half step minor six. Like just <laughs> the basic, like just sort of like the black metal chord progression, right? Just for the rest of the track. So it's um, it, it, just looking it up. It's been six years since the last record. Mm-hmm. This record either took six years to make or it took one week. There's no in between. There's absolutely none. I know what you mean. I, I'm going for six years, to be honest. Um, how, how how did these guys know when like when a riff is done? You, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like a, how do they know when it's like yeah we're gonna use that one? You know okay. that that like you, you know why I love this so much? You can listen to this like it's mortician. You mean just in terms of like not caring about the riffs or the 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 sort of like like the, that feeling of like arbitrary sadism. You know, mm-hmm. this is this is like spiritually kind of a death metal record in a way. You know, it's a like really weird, sadistic underground death metal. This has a lot of the same energy to me. I think that's one of the reasons I like it so much. It's like I, I just like ghoulishly laugh the whole time while listening. It's like it's so fucking evil. <laughs> I mean, oh, it definitely converges with death metal a lot. I mean, if you'd put it out in the '90s, I think people might have said this sounded something like death metal, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it's um, I think the thing that keeps it from being death metal is simply just the harmonies, which always have this sort of shades of Scandinavian black metal in them. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, you know, always just this touch of the touch of the archaic or whatever um yeah yeah you know even even just in that like big one minor six thing right that's epic right haha yeah yeah it it is epic yeah you go to the the one before but the one that before especially actually i was like thinking as it as we went into it right like this um so basically like we get the stomp right and the stomp is played maybe is slightly faster than you'd expect um and is like one of the fastest parts on the record. Certainly, aside from the blasts, the fastest part on the record, and it's faster than some of the blasting. Mm-hmm. Um, right, that's one of the like moments of drama on the album. But then the thing that hits after it, they just go down to like the lowest note on the fretboard and hit like a one minor third. Jump, jump, and the, the way they just draw it out, that's fucking epic. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> relative to relative to the tonalities of the things after it and that kind of like s- gloomy as you say like scowling one minor six thing at the end that part is epic that's like a you know that's just the basic like stooges riff or whatever 1970 <laughs> john john um but um yeah um it's it's so that's that's that track Okay, well, to get to my last sample, uh, something that we both tried to sample, this specific part, um, Sectorish Magi. Um, so this is some more of the fast stuff on the record. 
Um, and I, I, I don't even know how to describe what's going on. Well, I want to draw attention to a couple things. One, the vocal performance, which we haven't mentioned, which is just like, what the fuck across this whole record? This like horribly ghoulish like skeletal rasp and grumble and then just these weird kind of Bethlehem high-pitched things will happen mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. at random not for punctuation of a specific moment they just happen mm-hmm. um, and the the production of this record which is just so gray and flat and like compressed in an ugly way like, you have to dig the tonality out of the guitars. You have to think about the music just to hear riffs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. There's there's nothing welcoming about this music. But let, let's listen to... Okay, so this this section kind of reminds me of a lot of, like, Bestial Burst-related stuff. Like, uh, it kind of reminds me of Anal Blasphemy, which, uh, if anyone at home hasn't heard them, Anal Blasphemy is like if Beharit and Archgoat were played by like evil people with Down syndrome in a basement in Finland. So isn't that just Beharit and Archgoat? Fair enough. Let's play the sample. Scepter, and you're listening to Terminus Podcast.
Bro, you fucking ready to get morgued? <laughs> All day, brother. <laughs> Hell yeah. Alright, this is Nightmare Lord by Morgal, out, of course, on Werewolf Records. You know, we talk about records we listened to before this show came out and wanted to review, right, before, like, Terminus existed, when it was but a twinkle in our mutual eyes. Um, this is one of their last EP was one of those. Um, from the first riff, I was like, this is the most gloriously retarded thing I've ever heard. Um, and uh, I was the full, I expected a full length sooner. Um, I think that last one was 2019. Uh, it has finally, or 2018, that makes sense. It has finally wheeled around and uh, it's exactly what I hoped it would be. Um, so how to describe Morgal? Um, this, the basic format, um, I would say just sort of like blasting speed metal with the melodic sensibility of the most flamboyant parts of Satanic Warmaster or Sargeist, but like stripped down to like arpeggiated single string heavy metal riffs. That fair? That's, ladies and gentlemen, I, 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 I've said this phrase before, but every other time I've said it on the show has merely been a preamble to this moment. Um, the devil has the fastest motorcycle in the world. He has the biggest sunglasses, and he wants you to kick out the window that separates the front and back seats of the cop car and steal the cop car while you are still handcuffed. Yes. Um, he, he also wants you to wear, always remember to uh, use eye protection when using torches by the cave. That is, wear sunglasses. He wants you to... Uh, <sighs> He, he, he wants you to freebase a lot of cocaine. Um, uh, he wants you to just shout in public. He wants you to talk too loud. You know, he, he like just like when you're meeting new people, talk too loud and too fast when you introduce yourself. Is isn't that basically what we do all the time? <laughs> this is. Black Metal Guy, this is the single most ridiculous fucking record you've brought onto the show. We were talking, you know, last night via text that it's like, you're supposed to bring on the Kayak and I'm supposed to bring this on. Yes, the uh, kinky roll reversal. <laughs> it is, um, so what, so yeah, so often we joke about how I, um, will cast aspersion on certain kinds of things that have taken the you know, the, the, the Satanic Warmaster sound and the Senor Valon sound, you know, the sort of Franco-Finnish sound and turned it into kind of like sugary pop music. Maybe mixed it up with a little Miglaw, maybe neatened up the production, whatever, right? Uh, this is, um, although it produces, it's easily as hooky as those bands and in a way really far more hooky, uh, it does so many other things differently, right? It's um, 
for one thing, this is, uh, um, it knows exactly what it's doing, right? There's Whether absolutely no question that this is yeah. intended to be party music. This is intended to be as absurd and over the top as possible. Whereas there are tons of raw tape black bands who are playing these like big florid Vothana hooks or whatever without being Vothana and making kind of stuff that is like elaborate pop music with bad production. Um, and where there are tons of bands who are trying to make like big beefy like yeah leather jacket get paid to play at a venue black metal right and it actually just sounds like sterile pop music mm -hmm. this band is trying to play massive like black heavy metal riffs stripped down to their barest essentials um and um they know that they're yeah they know that they're poppy they know that they're hooks and they're laughing at you as they do it they're just <laughs> cackling madly as they do this and they make they take these things that are sort of shaped like big heavy like big heavy metal hooks and they make them just totally minimal i was just saying on the morgal ep the riffing is actually more elaborate and closer kind of to uh fin black mm -hmm. um and it's pretty, like, epic throughout. They maintain totally homogenous, like, epic Dorian scale arpeggio the whole time without falter. This record has a lot of just, like, grinding, uh, grinding, blasting black thrash stuff. And the hooks are, like, those riffs from the Morgal album, but, like, just, like, four notes totally stripped there's like really just one hook riff there's like two one to two hook riffs or like just one hook riff that has a bunch of variations on it throughout this album um and so they take this thing that's supposed to be like a catchy melody and they give it this sort of elemental quality of like a, a marduk riff or something yeah well there's i mean there's a there's a ton of straight up like melodeath and power metal influence across yes. this record. Because um, you were you were asking me something before we got on, and it's a totally fair question, which is: is this actually substantially influenced by Children of Bodom? And I'm like, yeah, probably. But I think the way that it accesses it is through mid era Impaled Nazarene. I was um, gonna say, yeah. Because not a lot of people remember that Alexi Laiho, the main guitarist from Children of Bodom, was in Impaled Nazarene for a couple years. He did the record Nile with them. But his influence in terms of riffcraft and the kind of like punky extreme metal melodies that he liked um, mm -hmm. reverberated through Impaled Nazarene even after he left. Ah. Um, uh. Like, th that is, like, the big thing for me is those mid-era, you know, like, Nile and All That You Fear, those kinds of kind of forgotten Impaled Nazarene records that are incredible all the way through, that feels like the, the generative, like, DNA for this music to me. No, that's right. We did that bonus episode on uh, Suomi Finland Perkele, and we were, uh, you know, we talked about how Imp Naz has basically been forgotten, Right when we were coming up, that yeah. was like the number one Finnish black metal band. But now that uh, Sargeist is like a household name, or Satanic Warmaster is more has moved from cult to like canonical, mm -hmm. right? Like um, 
that's no longer the case, and something like ImpDAS is now viewed as, you know, oh, uncool or something, I don't know. Uh, but, like, this base, you could, if you described this record, to, if, if you sort of went back in time to 2007 and described it as, oh, it's like ImpNAS and Children of Bottom, but, like, really raw. Um, yeah. They'd be like, this oh, would have been the biggest cool. band in the world. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So, in terms of... Um, so, uh, um, first sample, uh, is the Golden Son of Satan. Jesus Hello. Christ, that's the name of the song. Like- Hello, <laughs> this my Morgal. So yeah, in terms of the whole length of the song, that um, incredible chorus, right, which goes, "The Golden Son of Satan." <laughs> um, <laughs> Fucking, of course it does. Of course it does that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that happens two to three times, right? You only get the shout along two, in the, and this is a five and a half minute song, so it's actually reaching like normal black metal length. Um, and what keeps it up is this like surprisingly high quality sort of uh, classic black thrash riffing. Um, mm-hmm. That like switch to the downbeat riff in the middle is like neck snapping. It doesn't go slow at all. It just like 
flips around the blast beat to like daka 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 you know um that like beat inversion that that you know drives the punk home exactly crushing beat inversion punk and like slayer you know criminally insane um you know um it's uh it, it does that. You pointed out there's a dropout and then a really like kind of sinister war metal arpeggio riff that you were like, that's impness. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Or not arpeggio riff, trem riff, right? Kind of like, yeah, it's like the really searing parts of Swim My Finland Percolate or something. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of really good just fast grinding stuff here too. Um, and the ener- the fast grinding energy doesn't relent even on the choruses. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the, the there's this like hyper speed, continuous energy to this shit. I like I've been on a big uh, like old European power metal kick lately, mm-hmm. just like on my own listening, and it's amazing how much a lot of this lines up with that in terms of just like the the just like everything should be at the peak all the time there's there's no idea of like there, there's no valleys to this music it's just one peak continuously like it's like we always say it's like well we found the best thing why would we do anything else you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um so in terms of like uh yeah no yes it is just the peak and sustaining that in a really effective way the other thing that i think is like a base for this music that is forgotten is like niflheim is like a niche name for black thrash people and i think people often are referring especially to the newer niflheim stuff which is like a very entertaining like hyper speed metal um Mm -hmm. The first Niflheim record has a picture of the devil on it, making symmetrical, muscly devil arms um, and uh, inverting the cross. Uh, and it is called uh, Niflheim. Um, and uh, it has the. It's like almost like Morgal took the catchy energy of the later Niflheim but none of the like intense riffiness in terms of like lots of notes all the time none of the shred right uh Mm -hmm. but put those kind of like epic intervals in kind of the frame of bare bones early Niflheim but if you want constant peak and total retarded I thought we should uh take a listen to uh it's it's been years since I've heard this but I loved it uh which fuck
All right. So you hear what I mean? <laughs> I I love the idea that in 1995 they were like, yeah, black metal kind of fell apart after 91. Like, <laughs> like how are you doing tribute music to the past in 1995 for black metal? Jesus Christ, dude. I love it. <laughs> That's a lot cooler than I remember Nifflheim being, actually. Maybe I need to go back to them. Well, you know, back when you're younger and you're more like, uh, oh, where are the big, where are the catchy riffs or where's the really unique sound? You know, it can be easy to be like, oh, well, I've heard heard that before. But the total retired energy is uh, unrevelable. <laughs> um, and it's uh, that record has always sort of like stayed in my head. Uh, um, so, you, yeah, but you hear that the format's kind of similar, right? Like, we start at the climax, we stay at the climax, we're playing, it's thrash highly thrash influence but we're playing blast beats the whole time uh there's this gestures towards arena rock or whatever but uh you know yeah and it's about the devil um <laughs> speaking I of love, which i love i love the, the the like jacked devil on the cover it's it's yeah jesus Christ. i love i love his oppressive symmetry <laughs> so, so andy all right i'll do a sample okay um gotta get my bearings uh this is the sample i'm about to play is fucking ridiculous like you can't you can't do this shit you know you can't have your like you can't have your blasting black metal record and just tuck like jester race in flames riffs into it like you can't fucking do that how is that acceptable they can't keep getting away with it <laughs> so gateways of flesh and blood let's go and just be like is when you're asking okay is children of Bodom like a serious influence here yes yes it actually is
this is the uh, devil's revenge on Iwata. <laughs> you see, you see, I saw, I saw you wrote that in the notes, but my thing is like, no, Uwada wants to be like cool and serious. That's you know? what I mean. Uwada wants to be cool and serious, and <laughs> the way they try to distinguish themselves ends up accidentally being by writing these greasy cock rocker hooks, which are the only <laughs> thing that make them different from Megla, and are sort of like they're like catchy, but in a way that's like profoundly objectionable right um and just out of place with the whole vibe the band is going for like oh i'm serious face covered man right um (laughs) this is uh this band has like 20 times the number of cock rocker hooks that uada does but they're in control of it and they're laughing at them and this and uada is false black metal and this is true black metal well, this is like I only I don't even know what to call this music anymore because I swear to God, like for the past couple weeks I've had like the first few Sonata Arctica records basically on a loop in my car. And I can say that most of the riffs in that passage there sound way more like Sonata Arctica than they do fucking other black metal. Like no, that's the, that's true. That's true. Like the the sheer amount of just like just like aggressively florid power metal and melodeath across this record is awesome like i it, it it's so it, it's so immediate it's so absurd and you're right these guys are in such mastery of it and the the naked pleasure that they take mm-hmm. <laughs> in these sorts of ideas is like rejuvenating to me psychologically <laughs> it's like you know i mean it's it's a, a theme lately we talked about it with cake we talked about sorgonazia like you can just do that right like there's like certain melodic ideas are are compelling and catchy for a reason okay some of those riffs they're like i'm sorry i fucked that up um certain of those riffs right we've heard like billions of versions of before mm-hmm. right but like just um you know it's in the sequencing and it's in the delivery with the extreme intensity and the the raw sound right well you can just yeah, I- do that and I think part of it is like the the joy of it yes. is so infectious. Like uh, I, I've got a uh, like I've got a black metal band, and we have a song that I I wrote and intended to just be a Sargeist ripoff. And I every time we play it in the practice room, I'm like cackling between the mm-hmm. verses you know it's like mm-hmm. like there, there's a whole part where it drops out and the other guitarist starts the main riff again and before i come in and the blast becomes in i say joyfully i die for satan <laughs> it's like <laughs> it. yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so fucking absurd i love it and this is like the, i get the same energy from these guys oh, like i mean this the record oh so like in terms of is this a girardi cover um, this I don't looks know, like a Paolo it... Girardi cover. Um, and if so, it's like some of the best work he's done. In I think Paolo Girardi's had a renaissance. He's been sort of he was supplanted by Warhead. Uh, looks like as... it was a a guy named. Uh, oh no, it's a uh, Joe Pitano. Oh, okay. Well, a different Italian. Um, yeah, but it seems highly Girardian then. Um, mm-hmm. 
and uh, it's fucking sick. And you know, the, I mean, what what is the cover? It's just like, wouldn't it be sick to be like the golden son of Satan? Uh, and just like be a dude, but like a dragon dude, like <laughs> crushing people and throwing them. It's like, y- yeah. And he's just like cackling. <laughs> you, you can tell that you can tell the monster man is stoked about what he's doing. He's so stoked. He he's not like like grimly powerful. He's like he's like laughing. It's like yeah, look at me crush these people. This is sick. <laughs> <laughs> I love crushing people. <laughs> That's my favorite thing, you know? <laughs> whoa, whoa, Dad, more people to crush? Thanks. Fucking sick. Thanks, yeah, bro. Fucking yeah. sick. Um, <laughs> all right. So this is the last, right? This record will make you feel like that guy. Um, yes, it will. Uh, and so, um, you know, definitely recommended for cranking a party up. Um, oh, but, yes. Um, this is metalhead. I mean, this this is the record you play when all your metalheads get together for a house party. This, this is, what is opens how you the night. just prepare for like property damage, right? Like, <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so with that, um, we the, the whole record. Where where should I go for a sample? Um, it's uh, we both decided that Flaming Mouth of Baphomet is like the track in terms of just being <laughs> it's like huge. It's, it's huge, it, dude. In terms of just like riff, riff, in terms of the songwriting quality, in terms of like the what you look for in like a, uh, I don't know, a different kind of black metal record, like in terms of just like riff, 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 and sort of dramatic, as you would say, narrative sequencing, this is the one that does it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it. It's just, you know, so there's, there's a lot of range stylistically here. Um, we both wanted to sample from it, but like, because it's so sick. But I could, you could also just sample from the end, and I could sample the end of Mortifier. What do you think? Yeah, let's uh, let's get more of this shit into the populace. <laughs> we need for sure, we need for to sure. drive sales for this record. So, Flaming Mouth of Baphomet at the end. I don't even remember what happens here. Uh, I just. <laughs> I just wrote in all caps, they can't keep getting away with it. Like Sam Hyde style. So let's go to... Let's listen Whoa, to how, wasn't he the guy who killed all those people? D- he can't keep getting away with it.
how many times can we play this three note lead sequence this many times it's like 32 times don't give a fuck <laughs> I, and I love I love how there's that like break at the end before the last blast riff occurs, which is like the break on at the end of like uh, Blood for Blood's White Trash Anthem or something. It's like, what the fuck are we doing anymore? It's like, oh, it's a it's a pile up. It's a pile up. It those, is. Those it's lyrics a total are, pile up. Yeah. Those lyrics are delivered. Um, the rhythm, even even with the 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 screaming at the beginning, it's uh, those are like hardcore. Or, those are like tough guy hardcore or oi rhythms. Um, oh, dude, you know, it's so good. There's something about like the fucking swine in the lyrics. Uh, <laughs> um, and yeah, then you get the oh, oh gang vocal bit. Um, absolutely meant for singing along. Um, and that kind of attention to vo- I mean these are retarded vocal rhythms but they are very involved <laughs> by black metal standards right because black metal often as we talk a lot like about it often sure it makes sense that vocals are de-emphasized in all sorts of black metal but like uh, that creates a trend where very often uh, little effort is even in aggressive black metal where percussive vocal rhythm would help the vocals are more just sort of like prolonged half note things or whole note things right oh uh, yeah no there, there's and, a lot of energy in the vocals on this yeah show. there and the funny thing is even though the vocals are like even though the lyrics i'm sure are just like super just you know fun simple stuff you have to write the pattern you have to write it to the mm-hmm. guitar and you you just like have to come up with like enough and the right words right and he, even <laughs> if it just takes a night of being on coke right it's still it's like a, a thing you gotta do and that a lot of bands don't bother doing and um you know partly that sort of like long drawing out ah, sort of thing right that the the habit of these kinds of um vocals that work as texture uh is a reaction against sort of hardcoreism right <laughs> but as we stress constantly on this show all the best all the original norse bands uh had were full of hardcoreisms mhm it's um yeah so uh, you you got anything more on that no nah, man <laughs> what what have you got for mortifer <laughs> okay so you know on the last morgal there were things that were like sounded a little more like Finn Black riffs, uh, even if they were broken up into arpeggios. And there was this last song called War Cry of the Vampire, which is just, I mean, insane. Like, I mean, even though they just put out the full length, that's definitely still one of their best songs. Um, and that's like them being like, okay, we're going to play like a, a black metal song now. And it's got this <laughs> kind of, um, but it's like stompy and mid-tempo and, and, and rolling. Uh and it's got this kind of like you know satanic warmaster type riffing, but with like moon blood energy, mm-hmm. big big moon blood energy, um, and uh, th- I think like Mortifier is the track that plays that role here, um, and it's the and you so you'll hear more more chord based riffs a little they're a little more elaborate and fleshed out harmonically. Um, more, more of you know the Franco finish riff style, but uh, all within the very special Morgal framework. So uh, let's start. Uh, just I'm just gonna click. I just wrote end of in the notes. So let's just start two minutes before the end of Mortifier. 
album of the year? Yes. 